This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I think tonight's probably going to be the last night on this series on the area of faith that we've been on since January. And one of the reasons I'm going to back off on it after tonight is I'm not going to be here next week, next Wednesday, but two weeks from tonight, I, I really believe we're going to start talking about the Holy Spirit. And some of you say the Holy who? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. And so we want you biblically talk just as important as faith in your life, so is the Holy Spirit. Now, Back to where we've been on this, we've talked over and over on faith, that the ingredients are faith, is faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. So to build your faith, hear the word of God. Hear the word of God. Begin to speak it out of your mouth where you hear yourself say it. And then be very, very careful with the words that come out of your mouth. Remember Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Uh, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what I put into my heart is ultimately going to come out of my mouth. So be careful on those areas. But the last uh, several weeks, we've talked about the little foxes that have the capability to sever our faith. The first one was unforgiveness. According to, to Mark eleven twenty five and 26, that if I operate in unforgiveness, God said that if you don't forgive others, I cannot forgive you. And it will stop my, my faith. We talked about the area of worry. The Lord said in Philippians 4, 6, he said, be anxious for nothing. Be, you don't have to get over and worry that I can begin to trust God. But when I worry about everyday life, just the cares of this world, it literally squeezes the things of God out of my life. That's a design from the enemy. Last week, we talked about the, worry, uh, the area of fear, actually the last two weeks. Remember, 2 Timothy 1.7, God said, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and the soundness of mind. Now, when we talk about worry, when we talk about unforgiveness, when we talk about fear, the assault or the attack of every one of those always starts in my mind. They always start in my thought life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the devil does what I call, he tries to play mind games with us. And he's always putting a thought in there. And with that thought, it's like fishing. It's a bait. Just because you have a bad thought, that doesn't mean it's a sin, okay? It's not a sin until I grasp the bait and I act on it. This may help you. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you you can sure keep them from nesting in your hair. Okay? That's kind of how thoughts are. Thoughts are going to try, and the devil will try to play games like that. And so tonight we want to talk about that. Now let's begin here. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh... Set their minds on the things of the flesh. Hmm. So those who are dominated by the flesh, by the sinful nature, they think on sinful things. So every one of us in this room, if we begin to think or meditate on sinful things, that's where it's birthed. When I begin to meditate on think on evil things, wicked things, 
desires, fantasies that aren't appropriate, I'm normally going to gravitate toward that thought. And this is what he's talking about right here. He goes on to say, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, or they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, according to the things of the Spirit, this involves holiness. Not only in my actions and in my works, but in my thoughts that fill my mind throughout the day. The thousands of thoughts that go through my mind every day. Now you can just stop right there. And some of you may be grasping what I'm saying right now. Some of you's thoughts may be elsewhere. I mean, our minds are constantly moving. And so he gives us two, two choices, two categories here. I'm going to set my mind on the thing of my flesh, or I'm going to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. And guess which one wins? The one I entertain or give in to the most. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so if you allow your, your, your mind to be led by your sinful nature, it's going to be a death-like existence. But when I allow the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to help me in my thinking process, then it will lead to life. Now this is what he's getting over to over and over. Verse 7. Because the carnal or the fleshly mind is enmity or hostility against God. For it is not subject to the law or the word of God, nor indeed can it be. And so, where the flesh is at work, the spirit's not. But where the spirits are at work, the flesh is not. And so that's what he's talking about. But when I get over and I allow my flesh, the appetites of this world to dominate me, it's literally hostility toward God. And it's as if we're saying, I reject the things of God. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. Now sometimes when I read that, I look at that in the last part, he said, they cannot please God. I can't. And so every one of us, before we give our heart to Jesus, we're dominated by our flesh. We're dominated with our thought lives that gravitate toward the things where I don't care who you are. But when I get born again, some things begin to happen. Like what? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn to Romans 12. Just a couple pages to your right. Romans chapter number 12. This is what's got to take place when you get born again. Every one of us right here. Right here, this is where we got to go to. Verse number 1. I beseech you or I, I urge you, brethren... Brethren, believers, ones that have gotten born again, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Offer your bodies all that we are, everything that we are, as living sacrifices. Not just my conduct, but even my thought life. Verse 2, and do not be conformed. That word conformed there means to be shaped or molded. Do not be conformed to this world. 
this world's godless system, the patterns of this age. He tells me here, don't be conformed to that. Don't be shaped by that. Listen to this other translation. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Don't allow the world to mold you. I can't think in line like the world thinks. You know why the world thinks like they do? It's because they, they, they oppose the things of God. They don't understand the things of God. And when I don't understand the things of God, I'm not going to act on the things of God. So what's the key? Keep reading. But be transformed. But be transformed. How am I transformed? Wow, watch this. By the renewing of your mind. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, when you look at the word transformation there, to be transformed, it's a lot like a caterpillar to a butterfly. When you look at a caterpillar, man, I, I look at a caterpillar and I don't say, that's beautiful. I look at a caterpillar and say, that's an ugly dude. What is your purpose on this earth? But because of the things of transformation, he ultimately becomes a butterfly. When you see a butterfly, you think, now that's pretty. See, this is the same way as, as the, the, the heart of man. That when I don't have Jesus in my heart, things are ugly. Not you as a person, just, just because your nature. But when I get born again and I give my heart to Jesus, and I allow the Word of God to begin to renew my mind, I begin to think in line with the Word of God, something starts to happen to me. Something starts changing, and this is what he's talking about. And so he's telling me here, don't be conformed to worldly behavior. World behavior is off limits, but to go deeper, the Word of God must be firmly planted in your thinking. In other words, i got to start thinking in line with the Word of God. Do you know the only way that happens? you got to get in the book. you got to start reading. you got to be a student of the Word of God. And when I start getting there, it'll transform the way I think. And let's look at this and see how we can get help tonight. Go back to your right to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this, this passage here has great things if we'll put them into practice. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Now, I, Paul, myself, in pleading or appealing with you by the meekness, the humbleness, and the gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly or timid among you, but being absent, I'm bold toward you. When I write toward you, I'm bold. But I beg you that when I'm present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think as if, if we walked according to the flesh. So what he's telling you here, sometimes people think because Paul was bold, he was acting according to the flesh. But he said, I'm not acting according to the flesh. Now watch here. This is where we got to go. Verse 3. For though we walk, we live in the flesh as humans. We do not war according to the flesh. We don't war as according to humans. We don't fight spiritual battles with human techniques. So how do we fight spiritual battles? Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare. Now listen real close to this. 
As a born-again Christian, you got to not only know what your weapons are, but you got to know how to use them. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So he's telling us, listen, you're not going to win a spiritual battle with fleshly things. Our weapons are not of the flesh, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Mighty in God. So it tells me right there, there's some things that God will give me that become weapons for me in order to pull down a stronghold. You know what a stronghold is? When you look at this, strongholds are first established in my mind. That's why we're to pull them down. And behind every stronghold is a lie, and behind every lie is a bondage. You know what a stronghold is? It's a stronghold. It's got you in a headlock. But he tells me here, with the weapons that God will give me, it's mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And it's, it's mighty in God for what? Casting down arguments, human reasoning, against the knowledge that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You know what he's talking about? Human reasoning, human theories, the very pride of mankind that even attacks the things of God. Now, he said the, 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 the weapons of God are mighty for pulling down these things. I've got to get a hold of him, so keep watching what he says here. And bringing every thought into captivity. Not this thought, not that thought, but bringing every thought into captivity. We capture rebellious thoughts, and then what do we do with them? We bring them captive to the obedience of Christ. So when he tells us this, we capture the thought and then we replace the thought with the Word of God. Instead of meditating on that thought that, that contradicts the Word of God, I think on the Word of God. I speak on the Word of God. Now look what he goes on to say. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, that word obedience there means to, to have attentive hearing, to listen with compliant submission, to assent, but also to agree with. And so I've got to not only capture every thought, but I've got to start obeying the Word of God. I've got to get the Word of God into me. And so it kind of looks like this. It's when the devil, he, he kind of takes a shot at you. He shoots at you. You put your armor up and you protect yourself with it. But not only do you protect yourself with the armor, you fire back. Because when he talks about our warfare, you know what they talk? We're in a fight. Whether you like it or not, you're in a fight. And part of the arena that, that he goes after is right here. Oftentimes, the battlefield is the mind. That's where he'll try to start at. How do you know that? Well, if you would go back and you would look in the Bible in the beginning of time, in Genesis 3, verse 1, the Lord had told Adam and Eve certain things in the Garden of Eden, and the devil shows up, and you know what he says to Eve? Did he really say that? That was his exact words. 
He said to Eve, did he really say that? So you know what he does with Eve? And this is what he does to us. He casts doubt on the word of God. And he starts trying to get you to begin to wonder if that's what God really said. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? And this is what he keeps talking about. So understand this. You're the custodian of your mind. God has given you the ability and the resources where you've got to protect your mind. And anything that you meditate on, you've allowed it. Capture every thought. Turn back just a couple pages to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The word of God's loaded in this area. Now, let's begin in, in, in verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. How do he say you get mercy? You receive mercy. You don't earn mercy. How do you receive it? Man, you reach out there and say, I welcome that, Father God. And he said, you receive mercy that you don't lose heart, that you don't quit, that you don't give up. Mercy will help me to keep going. Verse 2, but we have renounced or rejected the hidden things of shame, the disgraceful things that we've all done. Every one of us, we have certain things in our life that you would say, oh, pastor, I pray that you never find out about those things. They're so shameful to me. Well, that's like every one of us. Every one of us have shame in our life. Keep reading. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Now, how can you handle the word of God deceitfully? You try to distort it. You try to twist it. Or you actually even get to the place in your life where you think, I'm exempt from doing it. No. When I find the word of God, I don't mishandle it. I, I state the word of God just as it says, and then I must obey it. Verse 3. But even if our gospel is hidden or veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. You know why they're, they're, it's, it's veiled or hidden to those who are perishing? Because they don't receive the word of God. They don't want anything to do with the word of God. I was like that for almost 20 years of my life. I didn't want nothing to do with the things of God. And so because I didn't gravitate to the word of God, it was hidden from me. But when I begin to see what the word of God says, it opens up a whole new way of living. Verse 4. Whose minds, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Now I want you to look in there real closely. If you'll pay attention to the word God there, it's little g. It's little g. Actually, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. He's talking about the devil. That's the desire of the devil, is to blind people's eyes. He doesn't want you seeing the truth, to blind their minds to the, eye, uh, to the word of God. And so he says, whose mind the God of this age is blinded, who they do not believe, least, they, least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 
Now, the key in that word right there was the, the, the glory of the gospel, okay? He wants to blind your mind from the gospel. He didn't want you to see the word of God. The devil will do everything he can to keep you from the word of God. And if you'll note at the end of that, the word of God will shine on you. The word of God will come alive to you. The word of God will give you enlightenment. Where you begin to see things totally different. And you look and you say, I didn't know that that's what God, God wants me to have. I didn't know that that's what Jesus died for me. And so the devil will do everything he can to blind your eyes. Everything. And once again, one of his greatest weapons is to cast doubt on people. He wants you to look at the word and say, I don't know that that's truly accurate. I don't know if I believe that or not. Now go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And I want you to see something here that Jesus does. And this is a great teaching lesson for us right here. This will help every one of us. Remember, if the thought or the argument that comes to your mind, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, capture it. Don't welcome it. Don't entertain it. Remember, get rid of it. Capture that thought. Matthew 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The word tempted there means he was led up to be tested and tried. Now this is very important that you see this. That Jesus was tempted. When you read verse 1 right there, it, it signifies that Jesus himself was just as human as me and you when he came to this earth. That's why often in the scriptures, you won't seem referred to as the Son of God. You'll seem referred to as the Son of Man. And when you study the scriptures, Jesus was tempted with everything that humanity was tempted with. Everything that we've ever been tempted with. But he never gave in to it. How did he do that? Keep reading. And when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights... Afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter, which is the devil, came to him, he said to Jesus, if you are the Son of God. Now, highlight that word right there. If. The devil comes to Jesus and he says, if you are the Son of God. So immediately right here, the devil, he knew who Jesus was. But he tries to, to, to cast doubt on Jesus and get Jesus wondering, who am I really? And see, this is exactly what he'll do to me and you. What I mentioned a minute ago, that's what he did to Eve in the garden right there. And so look what Jesus does when he says, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered him and said, it is written. So you know what Jesus does right there? Immediately, he captures the thought. The devil tries to cast doubt on him, and Jesus responds immediately by capturing that thought, and he says, it is written. It is written. So what Jesus does to combat the thought 
is he speaks what the Word of God says to it. And he says specifically, it is written, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so when you look at this first one right here, it shuts the devil up and it stops him immediately in his track. And if we were to keep reading here, you would see the devil leaves that thought. And then you know what he does? He goes to another one. And if you read that one, Jesus looks at him there and says, it's written. And so immediately he shuts down that thought and he goes to another one. And the third time he comes and he casts doubt on Jesus again. And Jesus said, every time it is written. So he literally showed us how we operate in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. I capture the, uh, the, the thought and then I speak the word of God. I allow my mind to say, this is what God's word said. And if you look at the rest of this passage, it said the devil left him. And basically waited for another opportune time. So you know what that tells me? Jesus shut him down right there. But he didn't shut him down for good. In other words, you got to keep putting the weapons of God on every day. Every day. You know why? The devil looks for a crack just to try to come in. Even in Jesus' life, he kept going after him. He's going to keep going after you, but that's the power of the word of God. So I capture every thought and I begin to speak the word. And it's, it's like when, when a, a letter comes to you, you say, no, uh-uh, wrong address, return to sender. I'm not going to receive that junk. And when the devil starts putting thoughts in your, your mind, even bad thoughts, even how many of you have ever had the thought, I may die today? And sometimes you look at things and you, you get a sense. You know what I'll say a lot of times when he brings those thoughts to my mind? He'll bring a thought that I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill your kids. I've had the devil speak. I'm going to kill your kids. You know what I said? No, you're not. The Lord said, I've given my angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. He said, a thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it won't come near my dwelling. And I'll speak that to him. I said, huh, not in the name of Jesus. You said in Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against me will prosper. So you just begin to shut him down and say, "Uh uh-uh. So in other words, you know what you got to do when he plays mind games? Talk back to him. Tell him what the word of God said. See, it's like like the UPS guy. The UPS guy rings your doorbell and he says, sign here. Well, that's what the devil does. He shows up at your house and he starts playing mind games. He says, sign here. And when I start entertaining the thought, he said, it's yours. But when you look and you say, I'm not signing for nothing. I don't want anything that you bring. So years ago, I was around a group of guys at at the Bible school that I went to. And these guys were some talented, talented fellas. And they had a little song, a little poem that goes like this. It goes, how's your thought life? Have you been dating the devil? Have you and the devil been romancing? Break up with that cat. He's a dirty old rat. All he want to do is ride your back. He'll get you down, down, down to the ground and treat you just like a dirty old hound. Don't listen to the devil because he's a liar. All he wants to do is try and destroy you. Cast down those thoughts that the devil brings and use your shield of faith. And you'll always win. Don't treat the thought like Jesus came. 
but cast it down in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. See, that's exactly what he does. And a lot of times when I'm believing God and I'm standing in faith for things, he starts playing mind games. God doesn't hear your prayers. Yeah, he did. How do do you know? James 5, he said, the effectual fervent prayer, the righteous man avails. I'm righteous, not based on me. I'm righteous because of what Jesus did. So that's me. He hears my prayers. My prayers don't fall on deaf ears. And anytime he's putting negative thoughts, don't play with them, okay? Don't play with them. One of the greatest things that you can do on a daily basis is begin to plead the blood of Jesus over your mind. What does that mean? I plead the blood over my mind. I plead the blood over my thoughts. I plead the blood over my tongue. I plead the blood over my eyes. And anytime I plead the blood of Jesus, it's if I'm making a plea. And I'm not making a plea bargain. I'm making a plea. And you know what my plea is? Jesus paid the price. I don't have to put up with you. And so there's times you've got to stand in the name of Jesus and you've got to come underneath the blood. Speak the blood of Jesus over your life on a daily basis. Right there, say, Lord, I receive your blood today. I receive your broken body. I receive everything you do. I put you on. I put on the old man and I put off that new man, which is created in Christ Jesus. But see, once again, i got to arm myself on a daily basis. If I don't arm myself, guys, it's not going to happen. It's kind of like working out. You can have a New Year's Eve resolution and you can work out one day. Guess what? That one day is not going to last you the whole time of the year. It'd be nice if that's how it was. Woo, let's kill it today. And we're good for the rest of the year. Not, it's not going to happen. But see, so many times spiritually, that's what we think. Well, you know what, Pastor? I, I prayed January 3rd. Well, we're in May now, almost June. It would be like a, a guy in our military, our Marines going to battle. And he said, you know what? I took my gun last year, but I don't have it no more. Well, you're going to die. See, even spiritually, that's what i got to do. i got to get on the things of God and, and just daily get in the Word. And, and what you're doing, you're feeding your faith. You're feeding your faith. You're feeding your faith. You're feeding your faith. And, and some of you, just as you work out, you will begin to see yourself get stronger. You will see the cardio get better. It's the same spiritually. It's the same spiritually. You'll begin where, you know what? When the devil comes around, it doesn't rock you a bit. You know, there was a guy named uh, Lester Sarmolin years ago. He was sleeping in this house. And I'll quit with this, maybe. He's sleeping in this house, and he wakes up in the middle of the night. And he said, I literally sensed the devil right there. And he said, I rolled over, and I looked up, and I said, it's only you. In other words, you don't move me a bit. I'm not moved by you one bit. Because of the name of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. You want to pick up an equalizer in your life? (laughs) Start speaking the name of Jesus. Speak the name and get under the blood. And when you let your little kids go this summer, speak the blood over them. Speak the name over them. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.